What's going on, family? Pastor Sergio Chavez reporting live and direct to you and yours. And listen, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Hope Huddle Podcast, your place for inspiration, hope, and empowerment. A baby eagle became orphaned when something happened to his parents. He glided down to the ground from his nest but was not yet able to fly. A man picked him up and took him to a farmer and said, this is a special kind of barnyard chicken that will grow up big. And the farmer looked at it and said, that doesn't look like a barnyard chicken to me. And the other man replied, oh yes. Oh yes, you'll see, this is a special kind of chicken. You'll be glad that you own it. The farmer took the baby eagle and placed it with the rest of his chickens and the baby eagle learned to imitate the chickens. So this eagle grew up thinking he was a chicken. He would scratch the floor in order to get worms and grub. Till one day there was an eagle that was hovering and that was flying over the barn. And the baby eagle had now grown and was looking at the eagle and was saying, what animal is that? How beautiful and free it is. And so the other chickens look at the eagle and say, don't worry about that. That's an eagle, but you'll never be able to fly like that. So don't worry about it. And so the eagle went back to scratching the ground and continued to behave like the chicken he thought he was. Finally, he died never knowing the great life that he could have had. It's a tragedy when you don't know who you are. I'm going to say it again. It's a tragedy when you don't know who you are. Anything moves you when you don't know who you are. You're easily shaken when you don't know who you are. Your emotions run wild when you don't know who you are and you don't know how to manage it. The opinions, the opinions of others dictate the way that you live your life when you don't know who you are. And conversely, when you know who you are, you are a powerful force to be reckoned with. See, when you know who you are, the opinions of others don't fade you. When you know who you are, people can talk about you, people can persecute you, people can oppose you, but you walk confidently because you know who you are. I know I'm vertically challenged. I know I'm short up in here, short game, but that don't take my confidence because I I know who I am. I know I'm a giant in the spirit. See, nobody can talk, talk about your hair, talk about the fact that you walk bow-legged, talk about the fact that you got a weird laugh, talk about the fact that you, uh, you, you, you kind of cross-eyed and, and, and all. People can talk about it, but when you're confident in who you are, it doesn't bother you because you walk saying, I'm a child of God. You can talk about the way that I look. You can talk about the way that I smile. You can talk about the way that I dress, but I'm a child of God. I know who I am. Does anybody know who you are in this? place. Do you know who you are? I want to tell you who you are. You are a child of God. You are beloved from the Father. You are the head and not the tail. You're not meant to stay with chickens. You're meant to... I believe... Oh no, he's in trouble. (laughs) I rebuke the devil. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. When you know who you are, 
You're a force to be reckoned with. And I want to tell you who you are today. Is it all right if I tell you who you are today? Does anybody want to know? Say it with me. I want to know who I am, Pastor. I want to know who I am. I want to tell you who you are based on the Scripture. The Scripture tells me that we were created to be worshipers. We were created to worship. I don't know if you knew that, but you were created to worship. But if you don't believe me, that's all right. Let's go Bible today. Isaiah 43, 21 says, just, uh, just listen to me as I read it out loud. Isaiah 43, 21, the people who I formed, this is God speaking, for myself that they might declare my praise. John 4, 23, but the hour is coming and is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking for such people to worship him because we're worshipers. Isaiah 43, 7, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and set aside. Revelations 4, 11, worthy are you, Lord, and God to receive glory and honor, power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Uh, I wish I had somebody that loved the word of God. I'm going to give you Bible. Psalm 95, 6, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. We were created to worship we're worshipers whether you knew that or not everywhere we go all day every day we worship everywhere we go all day every day we worship but here is the question here's the million dollar question who or what are you worshiping Every human, whether you're a believer or not a believer, you are worshiping something or someone because you were created to worship. I'm going to give you a surefire proof, test, to let you know what you worship. Are you ready? Are you ready for the test? I can tell you, I don't even have to have a conversation with you. I can tell you what you worship based on this. If I followed a trail on your time, your affection, your energy, your money, and your loyalty, I can tell you who you worship. Who it got quiet in the house. <laughs> My online family, I know you're receiving right there where you are. <laughs> I know you're receiving this. I can tell you who you worship based on what you spend your time on, what you give your affection to, the energy that you spend and invest or waste, the money that you spend, invest or waste, and the loyalty that you have. Figure out who and what you worship. Worship is our, our response to what we value the most. Worship is our response to what we value the most. You become like the thing or the person that you worship. But here's the thing, God created us because he wanted our worship, he wanted our hearts, he wanted relationship with us. But the enemy of our souls, that is Satan and his regime, is on a mission to divide our heart from God. So when we begin to have divided worship, it becomes idolatry. Idolatry. What does that mean, Pastor? I don't have altars and shrines and I don't have saints that I worship in my house. 
You may not have it physically, but here's what idolatry looks like. Here is what divided worship looks like. Divided worship looks like this. I worship God a little bit on Sunday, but throughout the week, I just prefer my possessions. I prefer things because I can never have enough of it. That's divided worship, AKA idolatry. I need my things more than I need Jesus. I love God Sunday right about 1.30 to 3 p.m. Y'all not gonna keep it real with me, but that's all right. I got an online family now. They be sending me messages, comments, like, Pastor, you be preaching good. Thank you. <laughs> I love God right about 1.30 to 3 p.m., but I love myself a little more. Meaning as in, I don't need God as much as people tell me I need God. And as a matter of fact, I don't need anybody else. I'm all good, all by myself. Idolatry, divided worship. I love God and I love Jesus and I worship him a little bit, but I prefer to experience pleasure more than that. Meaning as in, if it feels good to me, then I'ma just do it, it's gotta be right. Idolatry, divided worship. Why am I speaking to you about these things while we're in the Stand Firm Love Well series? Because as long as the enemy can get you to worship your possessions, worship yourself, i.e. pride, and worship pleasure, then he knows you will never be able to stand firm on your faith. But I'm declaring in the name of Jesus that at Hope Center, I wish I had somebody, I'm getting ready to release some that I hope you catch, that at Hope Center we are going to stand firm on our faith. We are going to have people that will not be moved and easily shaken. We will have people that say, even when it doesn't feel good, I'm going to worship God. Even when I feel like I'm by myself, I'm going to worship God. I decide, I choose to stand firm on the God of my salvation who created me to worship him. See, we may not have physical altar shrines, but we have a place in our hearts for these things whenever we allow them to. So throughout this series, we have been discussing the book of Daniel. And in the book of Daniel, I'm gonna move this a little up now because my wife telling me sometimes I'm too far. In the book of Daniel, we find, we find an interesting story in chapter three. Over the last several weeks, we've been digging into the book of Daniel, and in chapter three, it's not focused so much on Daniel, it's actually focused on his crew. Uh, anybody glad that you got the right crew right, right near you? Anybody glad for the right crew? Uh, let me tell you, Hope Center, we're your crew. Hootie hoo, yes. Squad, this is squad right here. See, you gotta have the right crew. So in, the, in chapter three, it's not, it's not talking about Daniel, it's discussing his crew, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so the Bible is telling us here, and let me give you a quick overview for those that are here for the first time, let me go through this quickly. Around 600 BC, before Christ in Babylon, they conquered the land of Judah, they took a group of Jewish people, and among them rose these three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They rose to prominence and to high positions very quickly because of 
of the grace and the favor that was over their lives, but they came to a land, Babylonia, Babylon, and they were in a pagan nation where they worship idols and all types of false gods and all types of different things, but yet they remain faithful. But now in chapter three, we're finding ourselves in a chapter where, where their faithfulness to God is causing them problems. Anybody faithfulness to God ever cause a little stir in your life? Nobody had a problem with you until you started coming to church. <laughs> when you was out there wilding out doing whatever they were doing, everything was cool, but as soon as you said, nah, you know, I do Sundays for church. People got a problem with you. Now I'm serving the Lord now. People got a problem with you. See, there will be moments where you will experience these rifts because of your faith and because of their faithfulness to God because they weren't surrendering and worshiping all of these different idols. It began to cause a problem. So now we find ourselves because at this time there was a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. I like the way my brother Ruiz said it last week. We'll just call him King Neb. We'll keep it short because that's a very difficult name. So King Neb lifted a golden statue. And he lifted a golden statue and he said at a particular time, there's going to be symbols, there's going to be music, there's going to be flutes, there's going to be harps, there's going to be all types of music taking place. And we're going to have a time of worship to the statue that I lift up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, not today. Not me. And because of that, it caused a problem. And so now we find ourselves in chapter 3, and when Shadrach and his friends refused to worship the idol at that particular time, they were persecuted and they were thrown into a fiery furnace to die. And what I want to share is two things today on how to stand firm in your worship. Because when you stand firm on your worship, you're going to stand firm in every other area of your life. You'll stand firm and you won't be easily moved. You won't be easily shaken. Let's look at the way they responded to persecution and being thrown to die in a moment where anybody could have said, you know what, hey, I'll worship. You getting ready to kill me? All right, I'll give up. At what time we worship in this idol? <laughs> See, some of y'all... <laughs> Y'all scared. But they said, we refuse. We refuse to worship the idol. And so because of that, they were persecuted. And the first thing that I want to share with you today, the first thing if you're taking notes, I want to tell you about worship is that worship produces supernatural confidence in you. Worship produces supernatural confidence when you are consistently in the presence of God. Whenever you consistently make it a choice and a decision to come to this place and be a part of a community of faith and be a part and engage in the time of praise and worship and in your, and in your personal time, you also have time with the Lord in the word of God, in prayer, and you have worship music playing and you connect with God while you're consistently in the presence of God, I guarantee you it will produce supernatural confidence in your life. In other words, it will create total trust and dependency on God. Let's look at what the scripture says. Let's, let's, let's look at this. I love this here. I love this. Is everybody doing all right, by the way? Are you all doing okay? All right. Daniel chapter 3, let's look at verse 16 through 18. I love this. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego replied to him, him the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. 
If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to what? <laughs> deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Oh, I love this right here. I hope you get ready to catch this. They said he's going to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Supernatural confidence. See, when you are consistently in the presence of God, you are reminded of the greatness of your God. In other words, he is bigger in your sight and he is greater in your sight when you worship him. And I want to tell somebody that is here today who has been uh, uh, persecuted, you've been going by threats and you've been living your life based on a lie or a negative report or something that really shocked you, some news that took the wind out of you. Can I tell somebody today that your God is greater? I'm going to say it for the ones in the back that didn't get it. No threat, no intimidation, no fear, no negative report is, the, is greater than the God that you serve. I want to let somebody know today, I feel like preaching this thing, that the God that you serve is greater than the sickness that you have. The God that you serve is greater than the battle that your family is facing. The God that you serve is able and mighty. I wish I had somebody that believed in that God. The Bible declares that he is creator. He's beginning and end. He is alpha and omega. He is omniscient. He is omnipotent. There is nothing that can come against the power and the presence of God. He is greater. He's greater, he's greater, he's greater. Would you do me a favor, if you, only if you believe it, would you turn to the person beside you and tell him he's greater? I don't know what you've been going through, but I want to let you know that your God is greater. I don't know what depressive thoughts you've been facing. I wish I had somebody, but your God is greater. I don't know the anxiety you're going through, but your God is greater. I don't know what financial problem you're going through, but your God is greater. See, some of y'all don't believe it because you don't know who you are. But I want to let you know that if you believe in God, if you believe in Jesus, he is greater. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. No weapon formed against me will be able to prosper. He is my refuge. He is my strength. He is my rock of salvation. He's greater. <laughs> Man, I feel this thing, Brother Sway. I feel this thing down in my, in my big toe right now. Because I know I'm helping somebody. Because people have been looking at their mountain. People have been looking at the, come on. People have been looking at their obstacle and saying, my problem is greater than God. But I rebuke the devil in hell and I want to let somebody know that your God is greater than that mountain. Your God is powerful. Hallelujah. Can we take five, ten seconds? Come on right there where you are to just say, God, I believe you're greater. Come on, lift up your voice and say, God, I believe that you are greater. Hallelujah. He's greater. These men were facing death and still said, I'm not bowing down. I ain't never scared because I know who's with me. Right. 
I know who I am. And I want to let you know today that no threat, I don't know who threatened you this week. <laughs> I don't know what's been threatening you in this season. I want to let you know your God is greater. I don't know what lie people have spoken over your life told you you wouldn't qualify, told you you were no good, told you you wouldn't make it, told you you wouldn't amount to anything. No lie is greater than the God that you serve. He is bigger, he is greater. In fact, this wasn't a new thing. The devil has tried this time after time. Not only does he do it in present day, but he even did it with Jesus. I don't have the scripture on the screen, but I want to let you know that Jesus fasted 40 days right before launching into ministry, and he went into the wilderness, into the desert, and he was fasting, and he was praying before he publicly launched his ministry. And at the end of the fast, ah, the devil tempted him. Because I want to let somebody know, for whoever would catch it, you might not catch it because you might be a little ashamed and embarrassed, but not even the temptation you go through is bigger than your God. So he had been serving, praying, fasting, and now he's at the end of it. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 5 through 8, the devil led him to a high place. The devil appeared to him and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all the authority and splendor that's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be all yours. He wants your worship. That's what he wants. That's why he wants to divide your heart. Love Jesus on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday. <laughs> he wants to divide it. Why? Because as long as he has your heart, he has control over you. But I love what Jesus answered. He didn't, he, didn't come with, he didn't come with anything else but the word of God. He said, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. <laughs> He knew who he was. Let me give you the second thing and then we'll move on. Worship produces presence. Worship produces presence. Worship produces presence. In other words, when you worship, you invite Jesus into your furnace of affliction. When the men had refused to worship the statue, the idol, the king had a real problem with that. He said, not only am I going to put you in a furnace of affliction so you can surely die, he says, I'm going to turn up the heat seven times more. You ever been in a furnace of affliction? Pastor, what is a furnace of affliction? seasons and moments of your life of extreme pressure and pain. Hmm. Can I talk about pressure? You look at your bills. <sighs> pressure. You're dealing with your kids acting up. Pressure. Husband, you're dealing with your wife. No, don't say nothing. Wives, you're dealing with your husbands. Say it loud. Pressure. <laughs> dealing with that coworker that you know is influenced demonically. <laughs> Pressure. Problem. 
<laughs> That's a future preacher we got. Anybody ever been through pressure? Look at your relationships. Pressure. Dealing with the weight of carrying your family's burdens. Pressure. Because you're the person that they go to and you give them all types of advice and they never listen to your advice. And they know what they need to do but they never, anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what that produces? Pressure. Yeah, 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 pressure. And so, and so, and so, in the scripture, the Bible gives us this beautiful story. In that moment, I'm sure it wasn't beautiful because it was a scene that you can imagine. There was, there was a furnace that they created, man, man made and, and, and a size for humans to be put in. And it was dangerous and it was scary. And they put these three men into that furnace of affliction and they were able to control the heat. And they said, not only did he say, I want to kill them, I want to make sure they are toast. They turned, he said, I'm going to turn up the heat seven times more. You ever felt like you, were, you, you started to get your head above water, but then the pressure started getting a little more? Yeah. Turned up the heat seven times more. But here is what I want to point your attention towards. In Daniel chapter three, verse 25 through 27, this is the king now. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. He didn't know what was taking place was for theologians and those who study the Bible, it's called the Christophany, meaning before he appeared in the physical form, many years after, he was already appearing in visions and revealing himself to people even in the Old Testament. And so what, what, what they were experiencing in that moment was the angel of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, a Christophany in the flesh right then and there. And, 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 and he was seeing not only were the men that he put in there, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but there was a fourth man and he said it looks like a son of the gods and Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego servants of the most high God come out and come here so Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps the prefects the governors the royal advisors crowded around them and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies I want to declare that over somebody in this place. <laughs> Nor was a hair on their head signed. Their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. When you worship and you know who you are and you have confident trust in Jesus, you invite him to every season of your life. Furnace of afflictions come and go. Some of those seasons are worse than others. But I want to let you know that there will be some seasons in your life, and I want, you, I want to teach, and I want, I, want, I want to break this down for you, because sometimes we're in the furnace of affliction, and our first prayer is, God, take me out. Anybody like me? That's the first prayer I pray. <laughs> but what if he doesn't take you out immediately? <laughs> What if you are in the storm 
And he doesn't want you to go around the storm, but he wants you to go right through it. See, there will be seasons in your life where he won't take you out. He had enough power to deliver them from the beginning. But see, he had to teach us something, that there may be some seasons where he will not take you immediately out of the storm or out of the pressure. Here it is. Why? Because he wants to let you know that he is God even in the furnace. Meaning that he's not only God when things are going good. He's God when things are going bad. Not only is he good when you're balling, he's good when you're broke as a joke. Not only is he good when you're in good health physically, but even when you're going through it, he's still God and he's still good and he is faithful. He wants to teach somebody that even while you're in the midst of the fire, that he can be God, he can be your strength, he can be your comfort, he can be your protector, and he can show you that he's God even when things are not going well. Even in the furnace, he's God. And when you are a worshiper, you invite him to every season of your life. When you're in the furnace, I wish I had somebody that was a worshiper. Because there have been seasons of my life where I had absolutely no strength, where I felt that all hope was lost. But when I started to call on the name of Jesus, even, uh, see, 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 there was, uh, back in the old church, I used to, uh, see, I, I grew up old school. I don't know, I don't know if you grew up in an old school church, but, but I went, I went, I went to, I used to go to churches that had 10 names. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Mount Zion, Holy Baptist, Pentecostal, Methodist, Episcopal. I went to one of them churches. And they used to have the church mothers always say, you don't have to wait till the battle is over. The church mothers would say, baby, you can worship right now. I want to stir up faith in this place because you're in the furnace, but I want to let you know that you're a worshiper, and even while you're in the storm, you can lift up your hands and say, God, I trust you. God, I believe in you. God, you're mighty. God, you're powerful, and I know you're able to do a mighty work in my life. You're able to deliver me, but even if you don't deliver me, you are still good, even. Even while I'm in the fire, you are still good. I just had to pray one of those prayers this week. God, when will it happen? Oh yeah, I think, because I'm the pastor, I don't go through anything. (laughs) I've had to cry out. No answer in sight. Feeling like all hope is lost. Feeling discouraged. But then I remember who I am. And then when I begin to worship, I begin to think of his goodness and all he has done for me and how he's never left me in the past. And because he's never left me in the past, I know he won't leave me in the present, and he won't leave me in the future. When I begin to worship, my God, you're good. My God, you're faithful. God, you are my rock. 
You're my salvation. You're my savior. You're my comforter. You're my hope. You're the only one that I can trust in all seasons, every moment of my life. Never failed me. Never left me. Never forsaken me. I know you won't leave me now because I know who I am. I'm his child. I know he loves me and I want to tell you he loves you too. The devil will want to tell you in your furnace of affliction, God does not love you and I bind that lie and I tell you he loves you. He's with you even in the fire. It's amazing that at the end of this story, if you look back, King Nebuchadnezzar, he wanted people to worship him. And he said at the sound of instruments, worship, express it, show it to the world that you worship the idol. See, because worship, not only is it an expression of the heart, not only is it a posture of your mind, total reverence, submission, dependency on God, but when you are a worshiper, you verbalize that. You express it. The reason he wanted them to shout and praise the idol was because worship has a sound attached to it. I want to teach somebody. Because in this season, God wants that worship that comes out of your soul, out of your heart, for you to express that. Don't keep it bottled in. Don't be ashamed of what God has done in your life. Express it, communicate it. Tell God with your mouth, with your words, how much you love him. There is nothing more amazing to me being a father than when my babies reach out for me. You only experience this when you become a parent. You can't describe it. You want to break down in tears when you see something that God has blessed you to produce and create. And when they're little, I know some of y'all got older kids, they're like, they don't care about me no more. <laughs> but you remember when they were little? You remember when they would just reach out for you? Mama, God is with you in the furnace, in the fire, and all he wants in return is for you like his child to stretch out your hands. Papa, my father, my rock, my salvation, I love you, I praise you, I adore you, and when I will not be ashamed, to tell the world that I love you. I will not be ashamed to tell the world that I need you. And when you start living that way, you will be a person that will stand firm in every season of your life. And you will love well. I think the only way we can respond to this message is with worship. I want to challenge you. If you say, in my heart, 
I believe and I love God, but you don't express that to him. He wants to hear your worship. The reason we lift our hands is a sign of surrendering and say, God, I need you. I surrender to you. I worship you. These are ways we express our worship. And if you've never done that, God desires your worship. And if you are a worshiper, but you're in the fire, <laughs> you're in the furnace, you're in good company. Because in the furnace, Jesus is right there with you. Even when it's getting a little hot, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to make it out of this when it's getting a little too hot. The pressure, Lord. He says, I'm with you. I'm with you. Once again, much love and appreciation for listening to today's message. I'm so glad that you've been a part of the listening experience. But let me tell you, there's nothing like the live experience. It cannot be explained, only experienced. And so I encourage you to come out on a Sunday so you can listen to the messages live and be a part of a wonderful atmosphere within family and within community. You can find more information about our gatherings on our website at myhopecenter.org. Also, make sure to follow us. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our handle is at my Hope Center. I also encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so that you get notified as soon as we upload content. Make sure to share it with your friends and your family. There's someone that you know that could really benefit from these messages. So make sure to spread the word about what's happening here on the Hope Huddle podcast. So again, I hope to see you soon. Until then, peace, love, and God bless.